Moya Talk. Cheryl Seigenwald, uh, she is our, delighted to have you here. Uh, Cheryl is the Vice President of Vertical Design for the NRP Group. For over a decade at NRP, Cheryl has served in many capacities. She has participated in 32 projects across 10 states that account for a collective $1.5 billion in assets. While Cheryl had a wide range of experience in various locations and project types, she has particular experience working in urban infill developments that are part of strategic neighborhood revitalization plans with unique redevelopment opportunities and challenges. Before joining the NRP group, she worked as a practicing architect for KA Incorporated, a large national architecture firm focused on retail development for major REI REITs. She graduated with a master's degree in architecture and urban design from Kent State University. And besides, she also holds a real estate and finance certificate from Cleveland State University. Uh, definitely want to thank you for joining us, Cheryl. Thank you. Thanks for having me today, Adrian. It's nice to meet all of you. Uh, well, I think I want to first uh, start by uh, asking you a little bit about uh, when did you decide to start studying architecture and kind of why? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, my dad is an engineer. Um, he built our house when I was in uh, first grade. And so I was, you know, running around the job site, picking up nails for a penny a piece for him. Um, we were sort of in the country and a lot of development came up around us and we would go out at night and uh, tour houses that were under construction illegally. Um, so that was my childhood and kind of lost my interest in architecture. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I've done a couple of those as I was younger, so I understand. <laughs> uh, that's cool to hear. I wasn't the only one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so were there any other women role models that you looked to, to while you were a student? You know, I, not really. Um, at Kent State, I was there from 91 to 97. And until my very last year of grad school, there was not even any women professors in the architecture program. And that was actually a bit of an issue. We had some, um, at the time, they seemed super important protests about this. And they did finally grow their staff. Um, I think it's a completely different atmosphere now, but I'm still of a generation that did not grow up really with role models in the classroom. Oh, that's, uh, that's disappointing, but uh, hopefully things are at least changing over back at Kent State now. Uh, yeah, I, I just got a flyer, I think last week of two um, I think adjunct professors they had hired and they were both women in their late 20s, early 30s, it seemed like. So that was kind of exciting to see. That's great. Mm -hmm. um, so a little bit more on that topic. Uh, despite outnumbering men in architectural and design degrees, women still make up a small percentage of the managerial positions in industry. So like, what's your analysis of that reality? Um, I think it's just a classic, it's really hard to do everything. And, and uh, women become mothers, they tend to be the ones who are a little less likely to take on more and more responsibility. Um, I'm not sure it's really from our peers above as much as life choices that we make along the way. Um, I also wonder sometimes if women are better at their sort of day-to-day -day tasks and just getting stuff done and they are maybe not as recognized to like go up into these leadership roles where there's there's less doing and more finagling or something going on. 
Um, I personally feel like the architecture firms that I work with now, the strongest project managers are always the women architects. And when I have a, no offense to the men on the, this call, but the, when I have a woman architect assigned to my project, I'm like, okay, things are gonna go great. They're gonna be organized. Things are gonna get done on time. I'm not gonna have to remind people three times to um, do the same task, so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have a, great, a lot of great, uh, great women peers here who do an excellent job. So <laughs> no offense to the men as well. Uh, <laughs> So different skills. <laughs> different skills for sure. <laughs> uh, so talking a little bit more about that, do the firms do enough to promote and elevate the work of women architects and designers, uh, firms you work with and also other firms that you've uh, just in general have worked with in the past? I feel the firms that I have been at, which I've pretty much worked at KA until I came to NRP. So I wouldn't say I have a vast experience personally. Um, I never felt like there was some sort of feeling on my advancement. I've always been given opportunity after opportunity. NRP has great programs for women. We have a women's inclusion network, which offers programs such as these type of events on a regular basis. So um, the, what I've seen personally, there's no limit. Um, and I, I do interact with a lot of women architects that are on the teams that we're sourcing. So I, I see the opportunity, you just have to kind of go out there and get what you want, basically, so. All right, uh, switching topics a little bit, uh, a little bit more about your career. Uh, earlier in your career at KA, you focused more on design and architecture. When did you decide to make the step into, into development and real estate and what career paths for architecture graduates are in that branch? Sure. So. Um, I was in the unfortunate position to lose my job at a retail architecture firm in 2008, like many, many other people. I was extremely fortunate to find, or I guess 2009, I found a job at NRP in 2009, solely because NRP does 50 plus percent of our work on affordable housing. And that got us through the um, recession without an issue. And I landed a job there then. Um, it was always a strong interest of mine. Um, I am, organization is the number one word that would describe me. So I always like the project management side and the, the bigger picture and not necessarily the day-to-day -day grind of drawing all day. So even at my end of my career at KA, I was doing basically project management. And it was a, a nice transition to just see all the parts of the project. Um, when you're an architect, sometimes I think you you feel like you know everything that's going on on the project. And then when you're on the development side, you're like, well, that's a really small part of what makes a deal financially possible and get all the way to the end of construction. So it's nice to see the big picture and I enjoy that. Um, so also, so how does your experience in architecture and design help you as the vice president of uh, vertical design? Oh, so NRP is a little unique in how we are structured as a development company compared to some developers. Most developers, the role of developer has a more heavy hand in what's going on day to day with the design consultants, et cetera. But 
at NRP, the developers are really the deal originators. They go out and they find the land and help assemble the deal, but then they are supported by our design and entitlement team, which is um, sort of three silos. One is the vertical design studio or, um, group. We are 90% registered architects. And then the horizontal design arm are 90% civil engineers. And then there's a development project management group within our department also. There's one person from each of those silos that are really managing a project from our end and interacting on a day-to-day -day basis with all of you, all of the architects, interior designers, civil engineers, waterproofing accessibility. And we're really supporting the developers who are primarily an education background in finance or um, I, we have a, I think a psychology major who is one of our developers up East. So they're not necessarily in any sort of technical um, design or construction background. So we bring that expertise to the team and they can go out and rain make and find more deals. So as a company, we can process more deals through quickly. And I, I can't manage outside design people if I don't know what they're supposed to do or how, um, you know, I can talk code with people. I can talk about the phasing of the building because I understand the technical side of it and not just how I say all the time, the developers think we're building um, spreadsheets and in, reality we're building actual buildings that people have to go inside of you know sometimes is well I want this many units well <laughs> the building has to stack from top to bottom and there's 12 stacks of four so you're going to get 48 not 53 so <laughs> um, just bringing that reality to them you know, my my job is to be pragmatic and their job is to be this everything's going to turn out perfect no matter what <laughs> We're going to make a million bajillion dollars on this job. So, yeah, I definitely I took a, a development class back at uh, grad school. I definitely remember there was definitely this back and forth between the development side and the design side. So, understand. Yeah. That. Mm -hmm. um, speaking a little bit more about affordable housing, NRP does a lot has a lot of experience in affordable housing, and it's definitely a glaring need here in the district. Uh, but you also maintain a pretty balanced development profile. Uh, what are the urban and developmental interactions between uh, affordable housing and then Class A? Uh, housing in like contemporary urban centers? So yeah, NRP is kind of unique because we do a pretty much equal mix. Even right now when things are a little bit, you know, COVID um, scary with the price of lumber, et cetera, we are still doing a lot of market rate development, even though maybe some of our bond finance deals are have gone up in nature. And that's important to us maintain our staff. We've added five staff members to my team since June, um, which is amazing because in March, you know, we all thought we were gonna lose our jobs again. It just seemed like 2008 all over again. So it's really important to the company that we um, maintain that. Um, some, our affordable housing is a really wide variety of stuff. We, we started in Ohio and in Indiana building um, scattered site infill single family houses, and then moving on to some three-story walk-up or two one-level cottages for seniors. 
So when I look at some of the things that are happening in the district um, as we move into that market and just the complexity of those deals on tiny sites with such tight zoning restrictions and um, the level of design on those, like I say all the time, the jobs in DC for affordable are be the nicest jobs in our entire portfolio, nicer than any market rate job we've ever built just because of the expectations. So it's just really finding the price point for construction that can be supported in those deals in the urban places, I think is. Nice. Uh, over a decade, you've been involved in over uh, 35 um, projects in like 10 different states, a portfolio of like $1.5 billion. Uh, that, which... That's probably pretty outdated at this point. I think I'm, even in our like pre-pipeline right now, I think there's 50 plus projects that I'm touching wow. regularly. So sorry, I interrupted your question. No, so that's no, that's impressive. I was, I was just, my question was going to be, which of those projects, if you had to pick, which ones are you most proud of? Well, I think my first deal at NRP is probably still the one I'm most proud of. Um, I hadn't done multifamily at all before I started at NRP. So I learned all my technical code, everything knowledge that I learned, I learned from NRP or the, all the architects we've worked with along the way. But we, I did a 40 unit scattered site, single family infill project on the, it was affordable in a pretty rough neighborhood. And it involved us buying basically individual properties from 20 plus owners. Wow. So you can imagine the owners of single family infill projects that are gonna be developed for affordable are not the easiest people to deal with. And I mean, literally was meeting people in McDonald's parking lots to get papers signed and um, easements released. And the amount of things I had to learn when I came to NRP is, was just incredible. I felt like an idiot basically every day for an entire year because you're just running into things you've never done before, especially on the affordable side. Um, I'm probably most proud of that. And then we have a nine story block and plank market rate building in St. Pete, Florida, which um, just really turned out to be a really beautiful building. And I really enjoyed working on that one. That's great. Uh, I know that some of those affordable projects uh, definitely have a lot of community interaction and uh, community engagement that you have to kind of go bring forward. Like, yeah, uh, there was some of that involved as well, like working with- Yeah, definitely um, the affordable deals have a lot of that and you, um, maybe maybe the most memorable about that was um, in a deal we did in Charlotte, which is right on the blue line, which is their transit station. And there was one um, woman whose single family home was still on this assemblage of parcels that we were buying for a big wrap. And so we went to all the normal community meetings and they have, you know, it's a very gentrifying community. So you have the new people who have just grand ideas about sustainability and art, public art, and then the old uh, guard who really is incredibly engaged and knows everybody in the community and all the value they bring to those discussions and really good ideas that we brought from them. And then again, trying to figure out a way to successfully buy this woman out of her house and 
we ended up with a beautiful home because um, the amount of money we paid for her house was I don't astronomical. But and she ended up with a really beautiful home and her whole like extended family I think lived there. So just really meet a lot of interesting people on at those community meetings and finding a way to bring their ideas cost effectively into the job basically because you can't obviously commit to all everybody's individual wishes and somewhat um, crazy expectations sometimes. That's definitely awesome. Um, so just actually wanted to ask a little bit about so your personal uh, challenges what are you in the next five years what are your goals or challenges you see that you're trying to accomplish and overcome? Sure. So in June, my my boss left and I was promoted to vice president um, and taken on a whole kind of new series of tasks that he actually had, even though another woman took over our, our whole department in general. So I've been focused probably for since then and even before that from how do we continue growing at the pace that NRP is growing, which is explosive growth. There was 250 people here when I started 12 years ago. We're over a thousand people now. Um, we are in 10 states or more and adding developers regularly. And so how do I hire enough people to support that development, but then have them all operate consistently that the details that we're using in the Mid-Atlantic are the same details we're using in Texas. Um, how do I get collaboration between those vertical design managers who, while they have the same job, they have almost no reason to ever interact with each other because they're working in their own specific market with their own specific developer. So I intentionally, um, as the leader of the vertical team, touch every single project in our entire portfolio. Um, especially during the pre-executive community stage, which is when we sort of move our projects from concept design to financial reality of the yes, they're going to work, and then we kick into full schematic design. So I'm really handling all that upfront work with the individual vertical design manager. So I see that something um, Mike is doing in Texas and a lesson learned from his development still gets translated all the way up to Massachusetts. So I think my personal struggle is how are we going to continue this? Like I'm pretty much at absolute capacity at the moment. So if we add a few more developers and new states, how do we spin my role into maybe two roles or regional roles so that we can keep kind of exponentially growing underneath? Um, we're a pretty flat organization right now. Like there's my role, the, the staff who reports to me and then you're down at like an admin assistant kind of level under that. So yeah. there's probably gonna be some layers added in there as we keep growing and how does that happen and maintain the quality and consistency, I guess. Oh, was, oh definitely impressive. I actually wanted to open up the floor to questions. I know I have some people who have asked questions. I think Paola has the first one. She says NRP is the national third Term housing market rate and fourth and affordable. Uh, what cities are you seeing the most growth in? Um, Charlotte is probably one of the actual biggest growth. Um, we have many deals we're working on right there now, and 
you pretty much have to get every single thing rezoned. And we just were going to submit for a rezoning in June, and that agenda is already full. So if we submit today, we're not going to be heard until July the first time. So really busy. Austin also is extremely busy, very hard to find dirt that you can competitively afford because there's so many people looking at the same piece of dirt. Thanks. Adrian, I had a quick question. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> hey, Cheryl, how are you? Good. Well, um, so one thing I just wanted everybody to know that, you know, when you're working with Cheryl, right, you think you're working early at uh, five o'clock in the morning and you get emails from her at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, I just want to let everybody know, I think a lot of times, you know, we talk about, you know, um, assuming responsibility and things like that, but I think it comes with a lot of work. And what I wanted to ask you, Cheryl, was I think, you know, with your new position, right, does any of that change? I mean, do you get to sleep until uh, six and let Tom do most of the work or are you still getting up at three now, you know? So I think... As your position grows, the number of meetings you have to attend during the day also exponentially grows. So for the most part, once 9 a.m. rolls around, I am on the phone till 4 p.m. with regularly scheduled calls. We have a, a call for every single market once a week. That's an hour long. Mm -hmm. That's like 10 calls right off the bat. Um, we have you know our regular sort of management type calls, and then there's calls with the architectural team to go through a concept package. So my work time is from about 4.30 to 8.30 every day. That's when I do actual work. Um, I try desperately to sign off by four, um, which is kind of, that was my old schedule that has been very hard to hang on to now that I'm supporting all of Texas as well. I didn't mm -hmm. use Texas as much, so there's, almost three or four times a week for still calls that maybe start at 4.30 or five Eastern time. So yeah, I think that idea that you grow into management and then you have the four hour work week, like that's that's a myth. Like this means you work harder, I think. Um, yep. So, you know, I, I one of my goals is to improve delegation and we actually just made two brand new hires that are starting at the end of this month. And I do see a little light at the end of the tunnel where we're finally going to be staffed to support the amount of work that we're trying to shove through. Mm -hmm. the also, uh, just one more quick question for you. Um, I know when Josh and Joe uh, kind of got on board with NRP, it was just, uh, you know, them like maybe four years ago. Yep. Now, you know, NRP has grown a lot here also. Um, have you made a trip here uh, before? And do you plan on making any trips down here uh, once, you know, things, you know, get a little bit yes. better? I used to travel all the time. Um, last, a year ago, yesterday, I was in New York City and I got a call from my boss. He's like, you gotta get out of there. You're gonna get trapped. They're gonna make you quarantine in New York. Like go to the airport. I'm like, I'm at the airport, calm down. I, I haven't traveled for work actually since then. Um, but before that was weekly, probably I was going somewhere once a, once a week or something to walk job sites, sit at design meetings. I really miss the design meetings where we can all be in the same room and work through problems um, and have some some banter. I think that's one of the biggest things that COVID has really 
um, been a problem with is we don't have the, whoa, what did you do last night? How are your kids? Kind of discussion right. much anymore. There just isn't that. And that's what helps us develop good relationships with our consultants. And when I'm demanding stuff at 4.30 in the morning, you're more willing to help me out because we're friends, not just, I'm not just delegating. Um, so I think that's been hard for everybody. And I hope we get soon back to visits and trips. I, I miss walking job sites once in a while and getting out of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had a question from Dennis. He wants to know, affordable housing seems to be a crisis in the United States and NRP is at the forefront of solving that crisis. What other housing crises are at the forefront and senior short-term rehab uh, or what else? Hmm. We do a ton of senior housing actually, especially in the Midwest. Um, I don't think Chris is looking at as much of that in our region. I think it's been, it's been really competitive and as some of the bigger cities, the rezoning gets tough and the submarkets are tough. It's the restrictions get tighter. We're, we're doing affordable housing for practice. Um, we say around here sometimes because it's more of a social mission because we don't make any money on those deals anymore. Like all the margins are cut and the requirements are so high. It's almost impossible to make money on those deals now. So we're lucky we have other revenue sources to help keep that going. And hopefully over time, you know, the system works itself back out because, you know, private business isn't gonna do things just for fun. So I think that's one of the crises. <laughs> All right. Uh, I was just wondering a little bit more, we were talking about trying to like COVID and we're kind of as, it looks like we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you see any uh, market like possibly direct things changing in the market due to like some of the things we've learned from COVID? So we've taken a, a kind of cautious approach to changing what we're doing. We've had lots of discussions over the last 12 months about what we should be doing differently at our properties. And I think you just have to be careful about overcorrection, especially on like our large market rate deals they're gonna, you know, the ones we're designing now aren't gonna deliver to three or four years from now. And people are maybe not gonna want the work from home space that they need right now. Um, hopefully our community spaces get back to the more traditional setup. We are sort of focusing a little bit more on fitness. We did some market um, analysis and felt like people really we're probably gonna use less of common amenity space going forward, but the one thing they were still gonna to wanna to do was um, fitness. So we're really sort of ramping up the square footage allocation of those spaces and more equipment, maybe a little bit more spread out. Um, it also was helping offset some of the lumber price issues that we're having, which are such a struggle. This fitness space, frankly, is easier and cheaper to fit out than you know a big fancy, kitchen bar set up for a common area. So sure. <laughs> um, then in our units, we're just trying to make sure that there is space in almost all except for the very tiniest studios that you could have a desk and there's proper power at those locations. Um, and you know a little extra space for if two people are in the same place they can get away from each other. 
but beyond that, we aren't making a, a ton of wholesale changes because we are hopeful that it's just gonna pass and we're gonna get back to something that looks more normal, especially three or four years from now when we're delivering these types of products. All right, we have one more question from Paola uh, talking about uh, recharging. She said, the position you have is so demanding, especially within a large organization. So what do you do to recharge? Oh, I'm a swimmer. So I, um, I swim two or three times a week. I bought an amazing device called a Delphin, D-E-L-P-H-I-N. <laughs> it's, um, I thought I was sitting here, it's not. It's about an inch and a half square. It's a web connected device though, and you can download audiobooks to it. So I swim and listen to audiobooks, and that has been a really great thing for me because if you just swim without an audiobook, all you do is think about the 25 things for your job that you should have been doing right now that you're not. So um, I think that's a big thing. I've been trying to also get out every day and at least walk around my block, especially from working from home. So you know, the sun's actually out finally here, so it's good. Great. Well, Cheryl, been, it's been awesome. Thanks so much for speaking with us. Uh, actually, I saw someone just posted a link to a little uh, dolphin <laughs> in the chat. Oh, so yeah. if anyone else it's is great. swimmer and wants You can to... listen to music on it also. And the great thing, and I've tried out several devices, so I highly recommend that one. Um, like the iPad, iPod Shuffle, it would like shuffle your audiobook, which is terrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll listen to the book's out of order. Yeah, but it, it's, it has, you know, all the touchscreen capability that a normal device that we're used to has and everything else is a lot harder to use, so. Cheryl, thank you so much for, for joining us. Sorry, Christina, thank you so much. I know that we're running out of time, but I want okay. to thank you for joining us. Um, uh, this is great. As, as I mentioned, it's important for all of us to, to meet people like you, especially so busy and with so many commitments. So, we're incredibly grateful for your generosity to join us this afternoon. It's been such a pleasure working with your company. So thanks again for, for to sharing sharing your knowledge today. It's, it's fantastic. Great. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank Take you, Cheryl. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a good weekend. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye.